Welcome, everybody. My name is John Whitman, and I'm manager of artist relations and education for Yamaha's band and orchestral division. And uh, joining me here today is the product manager for wind instruments, Jeff Hawley, and Yamaha performing artist, Linda Chatterton. Good morning, you two. Good morning. Well, we're really excited to talk about uh, all things with Linda today, so let's get started. It's Thursday, August 9th. No, it's not. Is it Thursday? It's Friday. Way to go, John. It's Friday, the 10th of August, um, and we are here in um, Albuquerque, New Mexico, and uh, we're just going to have a talk with Linda and uh, catch up and uh, do our podcast. Okay? Yeah. That will work? Okay. Sure. Good morning, Linda. Good morning. How are you? I am doing great. Great. Welcome, Jeff. How are you doing today? Doing okay. Yeah. Having fun in Albuquerque. Yeah. My first time here and still trying to get a, a feel for the city, but uh, having fun so far. Yeah. Me too. The mountains are beautiful. Oh, Old Town is very cool too. Have you been there? Did yes. You? We had dinner at the Gold. No, wait. What was it? The Church Street Cafe is very, very good. Great have you been here you. before? I have not. I have not. So I'm just kind of trying to take in the sights while I'm, I'm visiting convention. A little different than Minnesota? I would say so. <laughs> it's it's a dry heat, though. <laughs> right now, are you originally from Minnesota? I know that's where you live now. I'm uh, originally from <clears throat> Fort Atkinson, Wisconsin, which has about 10,000 people, and it's halfway between Madison and Milwaukee. And so I grew up there and had my, my musical education, and then I graduated high school, went out to Eastman in New York, and then came out to Minnesota to do graduate work and just sort of stuck around in the Twin Cities. Great. Yeah. Well, you know, we're really, really happy to have you here, and we're excited to be able to do this podcast with you, Linda. Yeah. And um, you've been a Yamaha performing artist now for... A while. Six years? Six, yeah, six right? years, I think, something like that. Yeah. But I played, um, you know, I got my Yamaha flute. It was one of the first um, handmade Yamaha instruments, and I got it when I was a senior in high school. And my teacher kind of presented it to me, and I was sort of you know, a high school kid, so I didn't really know, but I just played it and fell in love with it, and I've had it ever since then, and, you know, I just, I love it. I have it just, it really um, fits me wonderfully, and it's been with me through thick and thin, and has a couple dents and digs, but I just, it's great. You still have that same flute? You yes, still I do. That? Wow, that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Isn't that wonderful when you just get an instrument Yeah, like it's that? Like, yeah, I love it. Yeah. So. Um, what model is it that you play? Uh, it's an 881, okay. and the serial number, I think, is like around 1,000 or something. I mean, it really is one of the wow. first instruments yeah. that came off the, <laughs> came off the So from the 1917, plane. that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it should be classified <laughs> as an antique. <laughs> <laughs> so I managed to catch uh, your performance yesterday. Really enjoyed it a lot. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. It was a lot of fun. Great music. Why did you choose? Well, why don't you tell our listeners um, what you played and why you chose those yeah. pieces? I'm, I played two pieces. Um, one was a piece that I commissioned from composer Edie Hill called This Floating World, and um, it's a solo flute piece. And the other piece um, is just this really fun, cool uh, tarantella by a Russian composer named Vladimir Tsibin, who lived um, around the turn of the century. And um, the reason I picked the solo piece, I um, commissioned the piece, like I said, from Edie, and have just been playing it um, around the country. And I just think it's so important to commission new works and promote new works of living composers because that's just how music and, and our artistry 
develops and we can share things and I, I just think it's wonderful to, to work with composers. Um, she wrote the piece, yeah, just as we were kind of talking about what kind of piece I wanted, um, she said that a lot of her, um, a lot of comments that she gets about her, her composing is that uh, it's very similar in Takamitsu's work, um, Japanese composer, in that she has a very kind of um, strict form, but within that she does a lot of interesting things with tone color and shadings and nuances and things like that. And she's also influenced by the form of poetry um, and haiku poetry she really likes because it has a specific form, obviously. And then within that, you just get these wonderful images from the, the words. And so what she, how she described it is that she took some beautiful haiku and just poured the music into it, nice. which I think wow. is a really neat analogy. Um, so there are five haikus, and each piece is between, I think the shortest one is 30 seconds, and the longest piece that she wrote is maybe two and a half minutes. So they, they pick a, pack a wall up, and um, I really like them because you can present them for a group of professional musicians like the NFA, and because she is such an amazing composer, they're just very well composed mm -hmm. and structured. But then I've presented them all over the country to complete non-musicians, and they love it because they can look in the program and see the haiku and, say, oh yeah, it's, you know, I can mm -hmm. see the moon rise and things like yeah. that, so yeah. it really works. And then the Sieben is just a real... Um, uh, barn burner. I mean, it's just incredibly, it's a tarantella, so it goes really fast, and you just have to either um, make sure that your fingers are flying fast enough and that you have enough air, or the thing will kind of combust on you. <laughs> but it's really fun to play. Yeah. The, uh, the tarantella was amazing. <laughs> yeah. It was yes. like, I don't, it's like, um, it sounded like both of you were completely in control and relaxed, but it oh, had good. a feeling of like holding on for dear life too, because it was so fast and furious. We were sort of faking that whole relaxed part. Like, ah. But you know, it was accepted so well by the audience, you know, and you oh, had a good, good crowd there. Yeah, I, I thought it's a, it was a Gen X concert, and I, I think. Um, Tell us about the, that. Yeah, the NFA has put the Gen X concert, I think, on their program again for maybe five years or so, and I suppose it's the Generation X players. They get like four people um, from Generation X to do a concert, and we kind of picked our our own program, and it was a varied program. We had um, um, uh, someone doing traditional French repertoire, two people, and then some flute and clarinet stuff, and then I did some kind of um, stuff I hope no one had heard before. Yeah, so, yeah. It was a nice mix. You know, back to the relationship with composers that are alive. I think that that's very, very crucial. I think I'm sure Jeff yeah. can agree with that too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's how we keep our art form alive and right. how classical music <clears throat> develops. And yeah, yeah, that's certainly been a, a theme with a few different uh, artists that we've interviewed throughout the podcast. That uh, you know, working with with new composers and and creating. Uh, a, a new body of work to kind of carry yeah, it forward. Yeah. Uh, and I also had realized as I was looking over notes and just kind of compiling my thoughts here uh, about what we were going to talk about, that many of our artists in the podcast also have somewhat strange or maybe just special to them uh, duos or trios of somewhat different groups, with, mm -hmm. you know, classical sax and jazz bass or oh, cool. tuba and piano mm -hmm. or things that you don't always hear. And I noticed that... Uh, at least on your website, it said a recent tour with flute and harp. Right, yeah. I had a um, actually a couple of Midwest tours with a friend of mine who plays harp with the Milwaukee Symphony. And so we went, 
let's see, that was two, last fall or two falls ago, we did a, what was it, 10, 10 state tour. We did something like just a crazy amount of, of touring and we went as far west almost into Idaho and um, down into Colorado and um, Montana, Wyoming, and just all over the place. So that was really fun. We were gone for maybe three, almost over three weeks, I think. So, and if I could, I mean, I love being on the road. I mean, I love home. I love Minneapolis, but I think if I could be on the road about six months out of the year, I'd actually, I probably, you know, having never done that, I probably shouldn't say that because I know people are just like, ah. Oh. Yeah, but I, I love it. I love meeting new people. I love exploring the areas. I just I think it's great. So, yeah. Are, were there any uh, musical considerations or different ways that you had to treat a duo with a harp? Just not, at least from my experience, not something that I've experienced a lot live. So just mm -hmm. are there... Well, travel considerations for the harp. I mean, the harp is just like moving a giant piece of furniture. <laughs> from, And we had just a great format. We had this uh, van, and we sort of put the harp on its side on a gym, gymnastics mat and sort of slid it in like a big tray of cookies. And then we piled all our <laughs> luggage on, around it. And we got it down to a system. And I'm a really, really good harp lackey at this point. So, so You know how to handle it. I totally, it, right? I can totally. <laughs> so if I decide to get into harp, I should Yeah, oh, fun. yeah, totally. Yeah, and if I want another career as a professional heart mover, I think I'd be a great success at it. So, yeah, so I've done that. I'm also in, um, it's, again, it's just a classical, but I've been a flute, cello, and harp trio um, in the cities. Mm. And we've great done, it's a great combination. There's not a whole lot of music written. And so, again, what we're hopefully going to try and do is start commissioning some new works and getting arrangements and things like that. Because it's a beautiful combination, but it's not something that people have really heard a lot. Yeah. So. Did you have another question you were leading to? Um, no, not just kind of seeing where everything went. So. Yeah, you know, I was interested in um, in your thoughts on um, how do you feel flutists in in general do when it comes to trying to uh, keep recreating and connecting with composers that are living. How you know how much. Uh, time is spent, in your opinion, in the universities or the conservatories uh, studying excerpts versus um, trying to open up people to versatility and writing and, uh, you know, improvisation, etc. How's... I don't know how it is now. I know when I was in school, it was... It always kind of seemed pretty much understood that we would all be practicing our excerpts very diligently and then take the audition circuit and then land an orchestra job. And then you get out into the real world and then you find that it's a little bit harder or you find that it's not really what you want to do. And I know, so I sort of did that and I think if I would have kept it up, I, I probably would have landed something because I got into the finals of a couple orchestras pretty young. But it just, I don't know, something always kind of pulled me and I always kind of wanted to do more solo work and then you think, well, flutists can't be soloists. And you, you end up deciding, well, I want to be happy doing this. And so I, you start kind of figuring out your own way to, to do what you love and then get paid for it. So you, right. Yeah, but I think nowadays it seems to me um, that college students are a little bit more proactive in kind of 
finding their own, maybe doing a little bit more working with composers. Um, I guess just off the top of my head, I was thinking Eighth Blackbird, which was made up of Oberlin mm -hmm. students. Yep. Um, so it seems like there are probably students at conservatories that gravitate and kind of, oh yeah, we could work with this and do mm. this. And so I, I think students now are getting a little bit more savvy about the music business. And I don't think that it was quite the case when I was a student, mm -hmm. yep. um, which is fantastic. Absolutely. You know, when you think about it, uh, things have changed so quickly. Now there are you know, a good number of schools that offer music business. Business, you know right. I mean? Yeah. To, yeah, to... man, I wish I had some <clears throat> of those classes. Well, let me, let me ask you this. I'll, I'll put you on the spot. Um, if you could have all of the flute students in the United States sitting in one room at one time, and you'd like to share with them a, a gem of your uh, advice as like mistakes you made or, or just if you could tell them something about you know how you found success or what would you say uh, you just have to find your own path just do it you I mean just do what you love and then figure out a way to get paid for it I mean and it work and you have to be realistic too but I think if you're perseverant and just be really perseverant I just think of so many classmates who are just so wonderfully talented and what what I, either they didn't love it enough which is absolutely fine and they found something else to do or they just had one you know loss in a competition or an audition or something they said well that's it and in anything you just can't mm -hmm. I think that really kind of so just be perseverant and do it do what you love and things will work out Get, that's very optimistic, I suppose, but I guess it sort of worked for me. <laughs> I know from the, somewhat connected to that from our discussion, brief discussion yesterday, uh, that you had mentioned iTunes and Amazon yeah. and CD Baby. And can you talk a little bit on that? Oh, I think yeah, it, that was one of the. It was just such a pleasant surprise. And I think now, again, you know, students are getting really like savvy and young musicians. But this has just been such a pleasant surprise for me to find out that. Um, you can actually market your music on iTunes and people will download it. And it's just very, very cool. And it's something that I, you know, 10 years ago, no one had even expected. But, you know, my mom goes on to iTunes and downloads music and things like that. And um, I found just like from marketing, my CD sell reasonably well on Amazon, but it seems like digital downloading is really the way to go now. And it's just been a very pleasant surprise. And, you know, you find out your music is getting downloaded from, you know, places like Australia, and it's really, really mm. cool, I yeah. think. Yeah, it's just really, you know, that book, you know, the world is flat, we're all sort of interconnected. I think that's really, mm -hmm. really true. Very neat. Any advice for um, aspiring musicians trying to delve into digital downloading and putting their music up? Or Jeff, to you, I know you're very, um, you know, involved in that type of technology. Um, any advice, bypass this, go straight here, you help people, uh, move more quickly toward uh, the most efficient way? It's actually pretty efficient now. You can pretty much just like, you know, record something and just have it sound great and then put it on your website and, you know, just, I guess, just go into a really high quality, it, you know, I have one piece of advice. Just, I, I think people are pretty savvy and there is so much out there that, um, don't, don't dumb down the audience, don't record, I hate to say this, but, you know, don't record in your, you know, parents' basement or something like that and put something kind of icky and expect people to, because there's a, a, a lot of good stuff yeah. out there. So yeah. put out a good product 
And I think um, just be reasonably savvy about where you're you're putting it on the you know where where the people are going to download it. Yeah, know. yeah, that's that's Any what made me bring that up initially. Is <clears throat> again doing the research ahead of time and looking into things that I was pleasantly surprised with how easy it was to listen to your tracks on your site. Oh, good. Link to here, go <laughs> to here, and uh, yeah. you know, I, you know, part of what what you know John and I both do as part of our Yamaha gig is making sure that the Yamaha website is as good as it can be. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's definitely, you know, things that we'd like to do there and struggles with anything, any company, things you have to get through. Yeah, and it was great to see how well yours was laid out and very oh, easy. So, Thanks. Yeah. Oh, I'll tell my web designer. She's cool. actually a composer. She does web design on the side. She's oh. very fabulous. Yeah, but the Yamaha site was really good, too. I know you sent me that link, and it was like, click, 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 and yeah. boom, boom, it goes. So yeah, uh, maybe I'll just interject here real quick. A, a little commercial. Jeff and, and uh, the whole team out there has been working really hard on the new site for mm -hmm. our Yamaha podcast downloads. Yeah, we're certainly excited, and you may be using that site right now to listen to this. Uh, if you're listening through iTunes, you can always get back to the uh to the site. If it's been a while since you've actually checked out the site and you've just always been using iTunes, make sure to go back. It's uh, the www.yamaha.com backslash podcasts. And now you can just play them in your browser. Right. Yeah. We've also added um, a new exciting component to um, our services for our artists, and it's called Signature Sounds. And it's been up for less than two months now, and the response has been amazing. Um, it's called, uh, well, the site is uh, yamaha.com slash signature sounds. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, www. <laughs> it's so easy. It's yamaha.com. Anybody can do it. <laughs> yamaha.com slash signature sounds. And that is um, an electronic magazine completely devoted to Yamaha artists. And we've got all different sections up there, focus articles and impact articles. We've got a section on goods, which um, promotes our artists' CDs and books and DVDs, anything new that they have coming out. Um, you can click on it and uh, go right to where you can purchase it. And also, we have an entire calendar for um, months ahead uh, showing all the information related to when any of our artists are doing clinics. Um, the contact information for the host of the clinic and uh, bio on the clinician and everything like that. So, um, yeah, we're excited uh, with the use of technology and supporting, mm -hmm. you know, our artists. And a great segue to you, John, because I think so one of the three of us here might have a new CD coming out and another, you know, and a website address that we haven't mentioned yet. That's oh, right. Would that be www.lindachatterton.com? Could be. <laughs> and Could would be. that CD be New American Music for Flute and Piano featuring Edie Hill's This Floating World? Excellent. Yes. Wow, that worked out nicely. <laughs> a nice little tie. Thank let's, you. let's talk about the, the recording that you did a few years ago that's still available now. Uh, tell us a little bit about oh, it. Well, the last recording I did, it was just kind of a fun Christmas CD of flute and harp music. And it was kind of my, it was like the do what you love and figure out a way to get paid for it. And it's been it doing really well. And kind of what I wanted to do, there's so many Christmas CDs out there, but I actually do love Christmas music a lot. And so what I did is I had a lot of composer friends of mine who can arrange and write music a lot better than I can take um, just some beautiful Christmas tunes and arrange them so that they worked really well for flute and harp. And so, right. yeah, put those on the CD. So it's a nice combination of just some really traditional things and then um, some really beautifully arranged 
music. Nice. That sounds great. I would yeah. love to hear that. Oh, well, I can Maybe get have you a, a copy. <laughs> <laughs> have a stack. And, up in and the tell us about room. the uh, American Music CD. Uh, that is going to feature um, Edie's piece, um, Lowell Lieberman Sonata, Copeland Duo, um, some Paul Schoenfeld pieces, and then a couple other pieces that I haven't quite figured out just to balance it. And again, I wanted to just find composers that, I guess, sort of my thinking was composers that have really found their own distinctive voice like copeland's music you can tell right off the bat here lowell lieberman writes so beautifully for the flute and um you could again you can just sort of tell his his music just has such a distinctive sound quality and it's just really ethereal but then his fast stuff is just totally in your face it's just it's it suits my personality really well, I think. <laughs> and then Edie's piece, and then Paul Schoenfield has um, just these beautiful um, arrangements of um, old Hasidic um, melodies that he arranged for flute and piano. And they're just very gorgeous. So, nice. yeah, looking forward to it. So yeah. I think that'll be out probably early 2008. <laughs> <laughs> great. One of the things that's, that's great about uh, talking to you is listening to you talk mm-hmm. about how you say finding what you love and figuring out a way, a way to make money with it. Uh-huh. You uh, do your own thing and yes. you're successful at it. Yes. Would you share what you do when you I wake up in the morning? I really, really, really hard. <laughs> That's what I do. Um, well, usually I spend the first, um, after my coffee, answering emails and stuff. And I try and like re- keep a good email. That's another really good piece of advice with just using technology is have an email list. Um, you know, 20 years ago, you'd have to slog through making flyers on LC concerts and everyone has email addresses and you can just come up with a really slick looking email announcement about things that you're doing. So keep an email list, um, keep in touch with people. Um, everyone checks their email. So I spend a lot of time just messing around on the computer. Um, I do practice <laughs> quite a lot and then <laughs> rehearse of just with various groups. And um, I teach um, quite a bit. I have a studio in my home and I have um, ranges in age and ability from um, really fantastic high school students who want to major in music to, um, you know, my favorite groups of people are the adult amateurs that I get who are, you know, they, they are in high powered careers, but they always wanted to do music and never and finally just got around to doing it. And they're just really great people and fascinating people. And they just have a real love of music that I think is really inspiring. Um, so I, I teach and then I also do like um, master classes at various um, colleges and universities and clinics and things like that. So it's and then I market my CDs. So it's a whole smattering of things. And I think if in order to do a career like I mean, you have to be really I'm, I'm very schedule oriented and very organized. Right. Um, so if you're not that kind of person and you want to kind of do that, I think you either have to learn how to do that or. Uh, hire somebody to help you out yeah. doing that. So well, yeah, I think that's a very important point. You yeah. know that uh, people who aspire to be successful in the music business have got to ask themselves some really serious question, uh, soul searching questions. Am I a self starter? Am mm-hmm. I self motivated? Yeah. Um, uh, am I a really good multitasker, mm-hmm. or am I better just to show up? You know, do what I'm told and go home. Yeah. You know, if you have a career like yours. Your motivation has got to come from within. Yeah, and it, the other thing too to realize is that I mean, you're—it's your business. You're basically starting up a business, and you have to run it like a business in some respects. And I think a lot of people 
don't really realize it or they don't want to think about it because that's like <clears throat> anti-art or anti-music. But I think you can successfully combine the two without giving up artistic freedom or mm -hmm. anything like that. Right. So. Right. Cool. Well, I, I think uh, we're probably wrapping up here about as much uh, time as we've got. But we there's a few questions that we we try to slip into all of the podcasts and keep them keep them interesting and sometimes i've heard that people actually will fast forward a bit to the oh. end to see what the oh. answers are to this question and what it's a deep question <laughs> it's it's really heavy and you know take your time make sure that you uh it's deep uh, it's deep it's deep but and i may already know the answer but i'll let you you answer here if you go to starbucks what drink do you order i would like to get a venti iced americano I think I will be heading that way <laughs> right after this. Very good. Yes. Um, I have one, Jeff. Linda, if um, you could have just two CD recordings going to a deserted island. You're going to just crack up over the answer. Okay. I, I, I run a lot, and um, I never, ever, ever listen to classical music when I do that. And what I've been listening to is um, a Tool CD. It's... Yeah. Um, and let's see, probably the other one, I started listening to Wolf Mother, too. It's an wow. Australian band. <laughs> so at this point, if I were those... <laughs> <laughs> Wolf but, Mother. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, I love it. But... But for a classical, probably a Mahler symphony. Yeah, whatever. Which is, sim yeah, which is whatever. similar in many ways yeah, to Wolfman. Exactly. <laughs> he went through that Wolf Mother phase. Right. Yeah. When I think of Mahler, I think of yeah. Tool. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you could find, find some parallels, maybe. Tried really uh, nice. well, Yeah, we usually try at that point, too, to, to have a little snippet of whatever that piece is. And it's almost always beyond Bach, Mozart, something. So that'll be awesome oh, okay. to get to put a Wolf Mother yep. under that. Yeah, so. there you go. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for uh, you know for your time and oh, thank you. coming down yeah into the the bowels of the Albuquerque Convention Center. Yes. That's right, NFA two thousand eight. That's right, uh, seven two thousand seven. Wow, I'm I'm worse than John. I mean, you're <laughs> off. 